listening to Connection Church's podcast. Good morning, church. How's everybody this morning? Have a Bible this morning. I want to ask you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we're going to read from there starting in verse 6. Give you just a second to get get there this morning. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen in just a second. 1 Timothy chapter 6, that's right before 2 Timothy, in case anybody was struggling with that. Everybody ready? Let's read the Word of God. 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 6, this is what the Bible says. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing... With these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives, you, who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who in His testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which He will display at the proper time who is the blessed and only sovereign King of kings and Lord of lords who alone has immortality who dwells in the unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see to Him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Let's pray real quick. God, Lord, as we, as we come before you this morning, we, as we open up your word, God, I just felt compelled to read your word before we do anything else, dear Lord, because, dear God, I don't have anything of importance to say, dear God. I'm, dear Lord, I'm just a man, dear God. I, ha- I have uh, a foolish opinion, dear God, but your word is what matters, dear Lord. So I just pray today that as we open up your word, dear God, I pray, Lord, that you would just pierce the hearts of the people in this place, God. I pray today, Lord, that you would uh, just do work on people's hearts. Dear God, I pray today that above anything else, Lord, people would see you, Jesus, as the most satisfying thing that they could ever hold. Dear God, your word says that when we have you, dear God, we have more joy than when other people have wine and new grain, dear Lord. And what the Bible says, dear God, that we have more joy if we have you than anything else this world has to offer, dear God. And I just pray today that that would be seen in your word, God. I pray that your word would convict us of where we sin and fall short. Dear God, I pray that your word would convict us today of how we need to move forward and how we need to to live our lives for the glory of your name and the advancement of your kingdom and not ourselves. So I just pray for that this morning. Lord, I just pray that you would be with me and help me speak your word clearly and boldly, God. And I just pray above all that your Holy Spirit would come down and work in people's lives. And if nothing else, God, you would be glorified today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right, guys, so uh, if you've been here for the past couple weeks, you know we've been going through a a very uh, 
different kind of series. It's been called Dark Corners. In this series, we've been looking at specific things, right? That uh, we Specific sins that we like to tuck away and we like to keep hidden and we don't like anybody else to know about, right? That's, that's what this series, Dark Corners, has been looking at, right? What's the dark corner in your heart? That's been the whole purpose of this series, right? And so we're going to keep doing that today. But this week, as I, as I was preparing for this sermon, in my own personal time with God, I was just hugely convicted about how important this series was for our church, all right? God just burdened my heart in a way, I mean, just almost to drive me to despair for this series because I, as I was thinking about it, we've been here 10 months. Uh, this is 10 months we've been doing church here, and this may be the most important sermon series we've done yet, and it may be the most important we do one we do if we have church here for another 10 years. And I, I'll tell you why that is, because the Bible says this in Romans 8, 13. Romans 8.13, this isn't going to be on the screen. This is just something God laid on my heart this week. It says, For if you live according to the flesh, in other words, if you continue to sin, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So according to the Bible, what the Bible tells us is that as a Christian, all right, as a Christian, or really anybody, anybody who's ever lived, you've got two options. You either put to death sin and you live, or you kill sin and you, or you either put to death sin and you live, or either you let sin kill you, right? That's the only two options. And why this is so important is because, hear, hear me out on this, as I was thinking about this, what that means is not that if you're saved, you can lose your salvation if you don't stop sinning. What it means is that if you're saved, you're going to be repenting of sin. There is no other two options. And so why this is so important for us is because if, if we all come to church and we proclaim that we're Christians and we say that we love Jesus, then the, by default, what we have to do is be putting to death sin in our lives. Amen. This is really important. And it's not important for today. This is important for eternity. Like, hear what I'm saying here. The Bible says if you put to death sin, you'll live. And the Bible says if you don't put to death sin, you'll die and go to hell, all right? So what's at stake here? Guys, salvation is at stake here because the Bible says if you really know Jesus, you'll be put to death sin. It's the most important sermon series we could ever do. Because what we're doing here is we're taking certain sins, sins that I struggle with and sins that you struggle with, and we're laying them out before you. As I study during the week, I'm laying them out before myself. I'm putting them, I'm putting them on the table. And what we're doing is we're saying you've got two options. You can have sin... And you can die, or you can have Jesus and you can live. Those are your only two options. So this is important. This is important. Jeremy would agree with this. As a pastor, it's, it's, it's big time because you look out across a room and you see countless eyes looking back to you, and most of the eyes say, I love Jesus. But as a pastor, you look at hearts and you know that unless a person puts to death sin, they're lying to you. So this is burdening. This is, this is important. So today we're going to keep doing that. Today, the sin we're going to be looking at today is the sin of greed, right? So last week we preached on racism, and uh, somebody came up to me after church, and they were like, man, you was hard on us white people today, right? Well, I'm going to be an equal opportunity offender again. I'm going back. This is for everybody today, right? So we're all for racism. Oh, y'all ain't think that was funny. Y'all were like, yeah, you, you was hard on white people. So this is, we're, back, we're, we're back to everybody, right? So today we're talking about greed. 
We're going to be taking the sin of greed and we're going to be putting it out before us and we're going to say this is what greed is. You can either have greed and die and go to hell or you can repent of your greed. You can say, Jesus, you're better than my greed and you can have life. That's what we're doing today with greed. So now, as I'm talking about greed, the thing is, we all know what it's like to be greedy, right? Every one of us in here at some point or another has been greedy. So experientially, we know what it means to be greedy. We, we know that it means that we see something and I want that. I don't care what it costs me. I got to have that, right? We know what it means to be greedy. But before we get started, I think it'd be good to have a definition of greed. I would define greed like this. Greed is the excessive love of money or the things that money can buy, but that will never satisfy. All right. Did you catch that? So it's not only the love of money. Greed is the love of money or possessions, but it's loving things, it's pursuing things that ultimately, once you get your arms around them, they won't satisfy you. You're living your life saying, if I could just have this, if I could just have this, if I could just have this, I'll be satisfied. You're pursuing these things. You love those things, but once you get them, they don't actually give you what you want, right? So what, up front here, one thing we need to clarify today, and, and it, because what I've learned is you don't take people's financial status for granted, right? So what I mean by that is you'll come across some people who are big shots, right? Nice truck, nice house, and they ain't got a dime to their name, all right? Y'all know what I'm talking about, like credit card debt up to their eyeballs, right? All right, then you'll come across some people who like, they, they're humble man. They, they might be here today and they got holes in their jeans and these people are loaded, right? So one thing I want to clarify up front today is that as we're talking about the sin of greed, being greedy is not having money, okay? So the sin here we need to talk about today, it's not a sin if you're here today and you're rich and you're like, man, he's about to preach on greed. It's, it's going to be a bad day for me, right? Because you're rich doesn't necessarily mean you're greedy. So the sin is not to be rich. What, what it means to be greedy is that you're a person who's always saying more, 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 right? If I could have more money, if I could have more cars, if I could have more houses, if I could have more vacations, right? That's what it means to be greedy. It's always you're saying, I've got to have more. That's what it means to be greedy. So as we're looking at this text today, I read earlier, I want us to see, first thing I want us to see is I want you to see the dangers behind greed. So if you've got a Bible, let's look at, let's look at verses 6 and 7. The first, thing, the first thing I want you to see about greed, right? The first thing I want you to see about greed is that greed is a foolish investment. How many, how many people in here make, made some investments in their life, right? Raise your hand if you've ever made an investment. All right? So some of y'all must not have a dime to your name, right? Because you've never even got a savings account. Raise your hand if you've ever put money in the bank. Thank you. Okay, so we're, so we're, we're getting some here somewhere now. So we all know about investments, right? First thing I want you to see today if we, as we pull up verse 6 is that greed is a foolish investment. All right, so greed is dangerous because it's a foolish investment. Read verse 6 and 7 with me. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. See, the first thing we need to see about greed, as we're starting to think about the sin of greed, is that greed is a foolish investment because greed wants you to take everything you have and everything you can get, and it wants you to focus it on the right here, right now, okay? Greed tells us to amount as much wealth as we can possibly have on this earth. Greed tells us that we should have as much money as humanly possible in the bank. And if you don't have as much as you could have, you need to be working as hard as you can to have as much as you can have. Right? Is everybody tracking with that? Basically, if you got $100, greed's going to tell you, man, you really need $125 in the bank. Right? 
Or if you're like me and right now you got $12.53 in your bank account, it's going to say you need $15. So we talk about how broke I am and y'all start laughing. Y'all ain't, y'all ain't godly. <laughs> so greed, greed tells us, he says, if we can have the beach house with our own house, then we'll be happy, right? Greed says it's not enough to have the beach house once we have that. We might as well have one at the lake and at the beach because sometimes you just don't want salt water, right? Greed says it's always about the next thing, right? So, while, so get this. While there's nothing wrong with money or, possess, money or possessions, in fact, those things are gifts from God. So if you got money in your bank account this morning, praise God. That's a gift from God, okay? You might say, well, I worked for that. No, be grateful that God gave you your 1253 or your 1253 Whatever you got in the bank account, that's a gift from God. So while there may not be anything wrong with having money or possessions, what greed does is greed takes the gifts of God and puts them in the place of God. So let me tell you what happens with greed. Greed looks at the gifts that God gives you and says, God, I love the gift that you give me more than you. Does that make sense to everybody? But what I want you to see this morning is that greed is a foolish investment. The Bible tells us right here that you can amass as much as you want to on this earth, but one day you'll leave every bit of it behind. So that old adage is true, guys. I have never seen a U-Haul fall on the hearse. I have never seen a U-Haul fall on the hearse. And people say, oh, I'm going to take mine with me. I had a guy come in. I used to work at a hardware store. A guy come in one day. He said, my wife wanted to take every dime she ever had with, me, with her. So I, I wrote her a check and put it in her, in her coffin. Guess what? That check still ain't been cashed. And if it is, he's going to freak out one day, right? But you, it, what the Bible's telling us here is that you can get as much as you want on this earth, as many houses, as many cars, as much money, whatever it is that you're chasing after. You can have it all. If you're greedy for more women or more men, if you're greedy for more possessions or more money, you can have all that. But guess what? You're going to die one day and you're going to leave it right here. Greed's a foolish investment because when you were born, guess what? You brought nothing with you. And when you die, guess what? You ain't going to take anything with you. I'm going to put it a little more crudely for you. All right? Check this out. Greed's a foolish foolish investment because you were born naked. Anybody ever been born with clothes on? I ain't never seen one, right? I just had a baby three months ago. She'd come out naked. I think they've all been like that from what I can tell. You were born naked, guys. And guess what? One day, there will be nothing left of you in the dirt but bare bones. So you might, you might, they might, if you have a nice funeral, they might put you up and they might put you in some clothes and they might put you in a nice suit and all those things. But I can assure you this. One day, if you're in that ground long enough, there'll be nothing left but the bones. So how foolish is it to spend spend our lives trying to amass a fortune of wealth and possessions only to leave it behind us? Let me ask you this. What would you say to the person who's been investing in a 401k account at work? All right, They got a 401k, they got their retirement, they got the IRA, whatever, right? And and this person's been putting half of their paycheck into this 401k, all right? Every every week they get paid weekly, they take it, bam, it it goes away. They can't see it anymore. It's gone. Saving it for a rainy day, right? But what would you say to this person if you were talking with them and this person was like, I'll never be able to get a dime back out of it. Don't matter if I live till I'm 97. I can't, I, I'm giving half my money away and I'll never see it. So imagine how that conversation would go, really. Like, you know this person's wise with their money. You know they're, they're saving up for a rainy day. So you walk up to them one day after work and you say, hey man, what kind of interest rate are you getting on that account? And they respond, well, it doesn't really matter. I can never get the money out 
and it's guaranteed not to be there when I retire. What would you say to that person? Like literally, what would the words be that come out of your mouth to say to the person that's been investing in an account that they'll never see return on? You'd call him a fool. But what I, what I want you guys to see this morning as we're talking about greed is that we're the fools when we spend our lives investing in what money and possession can do for us in the here and now and instead of investing and spending our money in the kingdom of God that's never going to end. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, don't put your money where, moth, where don't put your treasure where rust and moth can destroy. So you might be here this morning, you might be wondering to yourself, how do I know if he's talking about me, right? So like I'm, ta- I'm describing what greed is, how do I know if I'm greedy? If you're wondering whether or not you struggle with greed, I want you to ask yourself this question, all right? And, and listen, when I say ask yourself something, I don't mean hear me say it and then be like, well, that was a good point. No, I mean literally ask yourself this. Think about this. Ask yourself this question. Do I see my money, spend my money, and use my money as a tool for my personal comfort? Or do I see my money, spend my money, and use my money as a gift that God has given me to, number one, provide for me and my family here on earth, and number two, invest in the kingdom of God? In other words... Is your money yours for yourself? Or is your money something that God's given you to take care of you right here, right now, and give it back to Him? See, here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. A lot of you, when this offering bucket comes around every week, y'all tense up, right? That's the, like, you, you love everything else, but when it comes time to worship through giving, you're like, hey, I got a dollar, and I'm going to fold it up a couple times so people think I'm giving at least five, right? But what I want you to see is every dollar you've ever given to God... It's just something you were giving back to God that God gave to you. When I was, when I was, real, when I was real young and, and I, couldn't, uh, I didn't have any money to buy my parents' gifts uh, on their birthday or whatever uh, myself because I didn't have a job, what I would do was I, I would go to my, my grandmother or I'd go, to, uh, I'd go to my grandmother and I'd say, I need $25, right, to buy my dad a gift for his birthday. So my grandmother would in turn either do one or two things. Either she'd give me the money outright, but a lot of times she might go to my dad and say, hey, uh, I need you to give Dallas $25 for something. So, of course, he gives me $25. I go and buy the most luxurious gift $25 can buy, right? And I take it back to my dad and give it to him. Is he happy that I gave it to him? Of course. But what have I ultimately done? I've given him back something that was his. How do you see your money? Is it for you? Or is it for God? Second thing I want you to see, the second danger I want you to see of greed this morning is that greed kills our gratitude. If you got verse 8, look at it with me there. It's going to be on the screen. Verse 8, it says this, But if we have food and clothing, with these things we will be content. So the Bible is telling us here in verse 8 that we Christians should know how to be content when we have very little or when we have a lot. All right? So if you're here this morning and you, and you got uh, 1,253 or you got 1,253 or you got 30,000 or 300,000, check, check what I'm saying right now. The person with the least amount in their banking account as a Christian should know how to be just as content as the person with 300,000. So the secret to our contentment is not based on what we have. So there are a lot of things in this world we may want, Right? I look at a lot of things and see a lot of things and I may want them. And that's okay, all right? But all I need in this world, according to the Bible, put verse 8 up there, is food and clothing. So I'm going to be honest with y'all. 
as I read this, I had some hesitation come over my heart, right? Because it says food and clothing. Anybody know, notice what it's leaving out over there? Shelter, all right? If, if, you're, if you're a smart individual, what you just saw is food and clothing. What about shelter, right? So Paul's, Paul's, Paul's preaching. Imagine Paul preaching a sermon, and he looks out to y'all and he says, you know what? All you need in this life is food and clothing. And somebody raises their hand, they're like, Paul, what about a house? What about shelter? And Paul kicks back and he says, ah, shelter's optional, man. That's hard, guys. That's hard. But what, how, how does a person get to be this content? How does a person get to be so content in what God's given them that they say, all I need on this earth is food and clothing. I don't want to walk around naked or hungry. If I can have that, I'm, if I got that going for me, I'm good. How does a person get that content? I think the secret is gratitude. I think the secret is gratitude. What I mean by that is instead of Paul focusing on all that he didn't have, you know what he focused on? What he did have. And evidently at that moment right then, he had food and clothing and he said, that's enough. Now I've got to be honest with you. As Americans, we've got a lot to learn right here. We've got a lot to learn. We think that what we've got to have for contentment is the nicest of everything and the best of everything and the biggest of everything. And if one person's got something a little bit nicer than we do, hey, we ain't content, baby, until we've got to one-up it, right? We're playing keep up with the Joneses. I want you to think about this quote that I read this week getting for this message. It's, listen to this. This is a guy talking about how desperately the world's in poverty. He says this, Over one billion live and die in desperate poverty on less than one dollar per day. Over one billion people on the earth live and die on less than one dollar per day. If I threw a dollar out in the crowd right now, y'all would be like, Get that. I don't know where that dollar's been. One billion people in the world would jump on it because that's their lifeline. One dollar. Close to a billion others live on less than $2 a day. That means that nearly half of the world is struggling to find food, shelter, and medical care for the same amount of money you and I can spend on a fountain drink for lunch. How many of y'all bought a fountain Coke last week? We could have we helped out a lot of people. $2, right? Consider that more than 20,000 children will die this very day to starvation or preventable diseases. In the country of Somalia alone, for example, more than 750,000 people are on the verge of starvation at this moment, and most of them are without Christ. These individuals are poor and powerless, and they are dying quietly in relative obscurity while we comfortably ignore them in our affluence. So what's he saying there? What's he saying? He's saying we got more than the rest of the world could ever dream about, and we're just ignoring everybody else, right? And, and to make matters worse, not only do we have so much more than the rest of the world could ever dream about, that's not enough for us. You want to know what that's called? It's called greed. And what I want you to see this morning is that I, I know, personally, I'm guilty of this. Personally, I'm guilty of this. I've got so much to be thankful for. I've got a home, right? I've got food on the table, all right? The only time I didn't eat this past week was when my kid was screaming too much for me to eat, right? I could have ate every meal except that one, all right? I got a truck that gets from A to B. But yet, when I lay down at night and I get on the phone and I'm, I'm scrolling through Facebook or I'm scrolling through this, you better not have something nicer than me because what's in my heart? I want what that person has. You know what that is? It's greed. 
And what does that do? It kills, or it kills our gratitude for the blessings we already got. So I, I'm sure that most of you are just like me. You've got so much to be thankful for. But the problem is you can't see it because you're so worried about what everybody else has got or what's the next thing you can get. I know this is in your heart. I know it because it's in mine. As I was preparing for this this week, God was, God was literally, literally turning my heart. You want to know the worst time ever to prepare a message on greed? It's when you're redoing your budget. So it just so happened that me and my wife were reworking some numbers in our budget this past week. A bill went up here, a bill went down here, so we were reworking some numbers. And you know what? I'm working on this sermon on greed. I'm just like, give it all away. I don't care what Comcast is next month. We, we don't need it. Give it away, right? Because what happens is when you're greedy, you can't see all the blessings that you've got. So I, I think practically this means something else for us too. I think a mark of godliness is simplicity. A mark of godliness is simplicity. Let me tell you what I mean by that. We live in this world that I've been talking about that's always trying to keep up with the next best thing. What's next? What's best for me? What can I get that's next? And you know what? A lot of times, guys, there's nothing wrong with wanting things. But I want, I want, you to, make, I want to make sure you know this morning that a mark of godliness is simplicity. It's being content with not having the best if you can't afford the best. All right, And what that means is that when other people look on you, what they see is, you know what? He might not have, she might not have the best of everything in this world, but they're content. Why can they be so content when they could have so much more? You know the answer, Jesus. Or maybe, I don't want to take for granted your financial status, maybe you're here this morning and you're loaded, right? Maybe just managing the budget had never been a problem for you, right? If, you, if there's something you want, visa it up, baby, slide the card, and it's yours. It's out the door, right? And if that's you this morning, praise God for that. But let me tell you what it looks like for you. It looks like not loving the stuff you can buy more than you love Jesus. Because it don't matter how rich you are or how, how poor you are, when other people look at you, they should know that you love God more than the things you own. And if not, you need to ask yourself, am I greedy? So how do I know if I'm greedy? Ask yourself this. Am I constantly wanting the next best thing? Really ask yourself that. How many of y'all lay down at night, go to sleep at night, wake up in the morning, always on Craigslist, right? Always searching for the next best thing, right? You're probably going to get killed on Craigslist, but that's another sermon. Now I want you to see this. Greed leads to destruction. Can you put verse 9 up there for me, Russ? Greed leads to destruction. Verse 9 says this, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Verse 10, For the love of money is a root, that ki- a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. So what I want you to see here first is if you, if you live in church culture, so this is what you've heard. Money is the root of all evil. Anybody ever heard that before? That's not what, this Bible, that's not what the Bible says. What's the Bible to say? The love of money is the root of all evil, right? So why does Paul call out the love of money as the root of all kinds of evil? What is it about the desire to be rich that makes people, uh, makes people just... So evil swell up inside of them and make them willing to do anything. I, I want you to understand this this morning. When money is your God, there is nothing you won't do to please your God. 
That's why money is the root of all kinds of evil. Check this out. Money has a special ability. I'm about to step on some toes here. Money has a special ability, unlike anything else, to make people lie, cheat, steal, and kill. Now, if you don't believe that, I got a couple questions for you. Anybody ever watch Lifetime Movie Network? Um, some of y'all men raise y'all's hand. Y'all know y'all wives watches Lifetime, right? All right, turn on Lifetime Movie Network the next time they have a documentary about a wife killing her husband. I just, they're on there all the time. Don't act like you can't find it, all right? The next time Lifetime Movie Network has one of these documentaries, I want you to turn it on and find out the motive behind why the wife killed the husband. I can promise you it's insurance money. Every time. Why? Because money has the ability to make us do crazy things when money's our God. How about this? We can go a little bit further. How many of you got business partners that you lie to? How many of you? I ain't even going to look up. How many of you fudge the numbers on your taxes? Just a little bit. I ain't looking up. I ain't looking up because I'm a preacher. They, when you go in to see that, when, as a preacher, you go into the tax office, they tell you about all kind of loopholes, right? And it's almost like, yeah, man, I can get back 19 grand on taxes. This is awesome, right? Until you realize that you're lying and you're cheating and you're stealing the from the government. How many of you fudge the numbers a little bit? How many of you hold back just a little bit extra for yourself, right? Because you're greedy. Greed's, greed's a horrible thing. Here's what I want you to see. Greed leads to destruction. In verse 9, it says, it says that it leads to harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That word plunge there, it's the same word in the Greek that they would have used for a sinking ship. So if a ship was going down, what they would have said was this ship is plunging, right? And so it means that it's taking on water, right? So I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine a, 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 that you're in a sinking ship. And it's going down. If you're greedy, that's what your life is like. You might be all right now, but the water's only up to your ankles. Continue on in greed, and it's going to come up to your knees. Continue on in greed. Continue on in unchecked, unrepentant sin. And guess what? It's going to be up to your hips. And before you know it, it's going to be up to your nose. But you've got to stay on that boat. Why? Because when you're greedy, you're always looking for something else to satisfy you. So when you're going down this ship, what do you say? I just, all this that's around me is satisfying me. So what happens? You start to drink salt water, right? And what happens when you drink salt water? You dehydrate and you get thirstier. And the more water you drink, the more thirsty you get. And so ultimately what happens? You die. That's what greed is like. You're on a sinking ship and you don't even know it. And you say, I gotta have more, I gotta have more, I gotta have more. Until guess what? If you if it left unchecked, it destroys you. So how do you know if you're greedy? Ask yourself this question. This is the most this is the most blunt question I can ask you all day, and only you know the answer. Do you love money? Do you love possessions more than God? And only you know that in your heart. So greed's dangerous. I hope y'all see that this morning. Greed is dangerous. But what are we to do if something so dangerous? I'm glad the Bible don't leave us stranded here. Look at verse 11. It says this, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. What are we to do when, when something so dangerous is after our heart? I'm going to tell you what you're supposed to do when sin's after you. You run from sin, you run from temptation, and you run from greed. 
There's a solution for greed. There's a solution for sin. Let me tell you something. As Christians, we've become all too comfortable in a society of dwelling around constant temptation and constant sin. All right? Now, I'm not talking about, put, I'm not talking about being around sinners, right? As, a, as you live in the world, you're always going to be around sinners. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is as Christians, we've become comfortable with acting, thinking, and living like the, uh, the lost people act. And what the Bible tells us here is that sin will kill you. Greed will kill you. Temptations will kill you. They'll plunge you down. It's a sinking ship. And what the Bible's trying to tell you is, is that you need to run from these things. Imagine that you're on this sinking ship, right? If you were literally on a, the Titanic going down, right? What are your options? Get off the boat or drown. Get off the boat or drown. And that's what Paul's telling us here this morning. Listen, every single person in this room has got a system in their nervous system that it's actually called fight or flight. Like y'all have heard of this before in school, right? In your peripheral nervous system, you have a system that runs to your brain and it literally kicks on the, the, the flight or flight system. And what that does is when a person is faced with stress or faced with a threat, that this system kicks on and it presents them with one or two options that's best for their survival. Option A is fight. Option B is flight. Get out of town, right? Every person's got this, right? And what Paul is saying is that as a Christian... You're going to be faced with temptation. You're going to be faced with the struggle to sin. You're going to be faced with greed and lust and pride and all these things, and they're going to come against you. And when they come against you, you've got two options. That system's going to kick on your head, and you can either do one thing. You can fight or you can flight. And now, here's what the Bible's saying this morning. The Bible's saying there ain't one person in here strong enough to stay and fight hand-to-hand with sin. Because here's what I got news for you. You think, oh, I'm in control. I can beat this sin. I can lay down next to fire and not get burned, right? And what Paul says is you better run. You better run. You're not strong enough. So how do you actually flee sin? Like, that sounds good, right? You need to run away from sin. Look at verse 12. It says, or verse 11, the last half. It says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. How do you run away from sin? You start running toward God. And now i got to be honest, in a lot of Christian lives I talk to, right, they're always in defeat. They can't never get going. They can't never get to a place where they're living like, they feel like they're living the victorious Christian life. And you want to know why a lot of times that is? It's because instead of running toward God and running away from sin, they just want to kind of stay somewhere in the middle. And that's not the way God designed it to be. God says you flee from the things that are wrong and you pursue the things that are right and I guarantee you, you'll start living the victorious Christian life. Now, I'm not saying that's going to be easy. Sometimes it's hard to run away from sin. Sometimes it makes me uncomfortable to run away from sin. To be honest, sometimes I would rather sin than follow God. But what the Bible says right here is that when you run from sin, you run toward God. Here's what I want you to understand. You can't do both of these things at one time. Just like you can't drive a car north and south at the same time in the same car. You can't do it. If you're going north, you're going away from south. If you're going south, you're going away from north. You can't follow God and pursue sin at the same time. So we got to do this, guys. We've got to put in our hearts this morning. We're talking, about, we're talking about the sin of greed, but this is for anything. Whatever it is in your heart this morning, it, I mean, hey, you know 
I don't have to preach to you. You know what God's been laying on your heart all week as you've been living life. But here's what I promise you. You'll never defeat that sin unless you start running toward God. Verse 12, you know how else you beat greed? You fight. So there's, there's fight or flight. When we face temptation, we have to flight. But guess what? We've got to be ready for a fight. Look at verse 12. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession. What's that first, fight, that, that first verse say there? Fight the good fight. You know, we see this phrase again in 2 Timothy. What's Paul say? I have fought the good fault, right? Everybody knows that one? Don't matter who dies, when they die, they're going to have this verse at the funeral, right? Don't matter if they're actually a Christian or not. I have fought the good fight. Listen, what Paul's telling us here is that the Christian life is actually a war. It's actually a fight. God is telling us that this is going to be hard. God is telling us that we are going to struggle. God is telling us that we're going to have to fight sin. We're going to have to fight to flee from it. We're going to have to fight to get rid of it. There's going to be times when you're in this battle, guess what? You're going to get wounded, and it's literally like you're dying inside to run away from sin. But guess what? The Christian life is a war. And i got to be honest here. A lot of times... If Christian men and Christian women would stop crying about the sin they're in and fight, they'd be a lot happier in life. So, I, And this is where I'm going with this. I'm tired of hearing people say, they come up to you at church or they come up to you uh, during the week and they say, man, I just want to know God. I just, I just want to live for God more, right? Have you read your Bible this week? Been kind of slack on that this week. What, why ain't you been reading your Bible? Man, it's just hard to get up in the mornings. I'm going to be honest with you. I know it's hard to get up, but you've got to be ready to fight. I, all right? I, I, I've been struggling with this sin. I, I've been struggling with this sin. And guys, please don't think that I'm preaching to you. Because as I was reading this, I'm preaching to myself. Because you know what? Guess what? Some mornings the alarm clock goes off at, at 4 and, or, or 5 or 6 or 7 or whenever it goes off. Or the baby's screaming. It'd just be so easy to lay back down and go to bed. But you know what? I, that still small voice whispers in my heart. Fight to know me. Because here's what I know. I won't know God unless I fight. And some of you, some of you, I've been struggling with this sin and I just can't give, up, give, it, give it up and it's just hard have you fought it yet? Have you tried with everything you've got? Have you prayed to God and said, God, I don't want to do this. I would rather honor you. Help me, God. Because listen, guys, sin wants to kill you just as bad as you want to kill it. And guess what? It ain't going to lay down. It ain't like a dog. Come here, sit down right there now. That ain't how sin does. The Bible says the devil's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It's hard to fight sin. But we've got to be willing to fight. Guess what? Let's be honest here. How many, how many of us have ever been in a fight? How many of us have ever been in a fight? Raise your hand. This is, raise your hand if you've been in a fight. See, now, the thing is, i got some women like, yeah, I've been in a fight. Some of y'all men here. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Here's the thing. If you've ever been in more than one fight, when you know there's a fight coming, are you not better prepared to fight? Like if you're in a situation...
Like the things that we're greedy, that we've got to be willing to put to death these sins. We've got to be willing to put to death all these things. But guys, can I just reason with you that sometimes even when you know you've got to fight, it's hard to fight. Has anybody ever been in that situation where you know that something's right? You know that you should, you know what you should do, but you just can't seem to find the strength to do it, right? I understand. I've been there. Here's what I want you to see this morning. If you, this, is the, this is where this whole sermon's been going. I want you to see that the main reason that we run away from sin, the main reason that we run away from greed and we run away from temptation is not just because we're supposed to fight and by God we need to do better. The main reason we do these things is because ultimately Jesus is better and Jesus is coming back. So here's what I want you to see this morning. Let's look at verses uh, 13. Matter of fact, skip on down to 14, all right? Paul tells Timothy to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he tells him two things. The first thing he tells him here is that the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ is coming. Get that. Get that. Jesus is coming back, all right? Jesus is better than anything else this world has to offer, and Jesus is coming back. I want you to imagine with me, literally put this in your head, what would your response be today if the top of this building was torn off and you looked up and you saw the clouds, and out of the clouds come a man whose face shone like the sun and his hair was as white as snow, and he was splitting the earth open, right? And he was coming down on a white horse, and he's saying, I'm here, right? What's your response going to be to that? On his, and it says on it, the Bible says on his thigh and on his back is going to be a name. And on that name is going to be written the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If you knew today that Jesus was coming back now, like in the, before the end of the service, how would you respond to that? Because I can assure you, I know I've been in a place before where I felt like, oh my God, I don't want Jesus to come back today. I'm not ready to go. Let me tell you something. If that's how you feel today, you've never really experienced Jesus because Jesus is better than anything this world has to offer, right? And I, I got a little baby girl and an awesome wife. And let me tell you something. I want to see that little girl grow up. I can't wait to see how fun that's going to be. I love my wife to death. I, I want to live the next 50 years with her. Like, man, I got a lot to look forward to in this life. But but right now, if you tell me you can have all that or you can have Jesus coming back right now, you better saddle up because we're going home. Amen. Jesus is coming back. But not only is Jesus coming back, what I want you guys to see is that Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Understand this. Understand this. I said that greed was the love of money or possession that can never satisfy. What, y'all ain't never heard a baby cry before? That baby's all right. Y'all look at me. That's a good, that's good. It means we're growing, right? We love to hear babies cry at Connection. And we love to hear babies cry at my house, but that's a different sermon too. <laughs> I want you to imagine this with me now. I said that greed was the love of money and possession that can never satisfy. Y'all remember when I said that? It, you keep chasing these things and you keep going after these things and, they, and when you get one, you got to have the next. You got to have the next. You got to have the next. What I want you to see this morning is that once you have Jesus, you have all you'll ever need for the rest of your life and for all of eternity. Look at verse 15 and 16. It says, When Jesus comes back at the proper time, He who is the blessed and only sovereign, He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, and dwells in unapproachable light to whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. 
Let me tell you something. I want you to see this. The Bible calls Jesus the Lord of Lords. You know what that means? That he is greater than anybody who's ever lived. It calls him the King of Kings. You want to know what that means? He's better than any power, any president, any king who has ever lived. It, it says that he is the only sovereign. You want me to tell you what that means? It means he's in control of the sun coming up and the sun going down. He, it, the Bible says that he dwells in unapproachable light. It means he is so beautiful and so glorious, right, that you can't even get close to him. The Bible says that he's immortal. That means, let me tell you something, unless God comes back first, every one of us in this room is going to die. The Bible, but when Jesus, he died and he came back to life, he's going to live forever. The Bible says that to him be honor and eternal dominion. Let me tell you what that means. That one billion years from now, when there's nothing but our bones laying in the ground, or either we've resurrected and been with Him in heaven, and one billion years, Jesus' kingdom is only going to be have beginning. It's only going to be getting started for Him then. And what I want you to see this morning is that greed says that you can have all of these other things and they're going to satisfy you. But when you do that, you're giving up the only God who can satisfy you. And what, guys... Understand this. Understand this. Real Christians are people who just don't act a certain way, who just don't talk a certain way or think a certain way. Real Christians are people who have seen Jesus and said, God, I, I can leave everything else in this world. I love you more than anything else. All I have to have is you. Jesus is better. And I want to make this real practical for you, right? I want to make this real practical for you. What do I mean when I say Jesus is better? When I say Jesus is more satisfying to me, right? When I say I treasure Jesus more than anything else in this world, what do I actually mean by that? Because that sounds good, but how do I experience that, all right? It, it works, let's put it in human terms. If you came to me and you said, Dallas, you could have $1 billion and 50 houses and 100 cars, but you cannot have Jenna. Some of y'all be like, I'd take that deal every day if it was my wife. But say somebody came to me and said that. Because I treasure Jenna more than money, because I treasure Jenna more than anything money can buy, my answer every time is I'll take my wife, please, because if I have her, I have joy and I have life and I have a relationship that will not end while I'm on this earth. I know she's not going to leave me. She might say she does, wants to, but she ain't going to do it. And guess what? That billion dollars can be gone. Think about that and apply it to Jesus. When I say Jesus is better, what I'm saying is that if you came to me and said, you can have anything this world has to offer or you can have Jesus, what I'm telling you is that when I have Jesus, I have life. And when I have Jesus, I have somebody who's never going to leave me or forsake me. I have somebody who it doesn't matter how bad it is or how horrible my situation is, he's with me and for the rest of eternity I have him. Now, how much sense does it make to give up that God for a few years on this earth? It doesn't make any. Listen, I know that I've kind of been all over the place here today and, I've just, and my thoughts have been gone and the mics went out and we've had babies crying, all those things. But listen, this is, if you don't hear anything else, this is where we're closing today. Two things. Number one, Christians repent of sin. And if we're highlighting sin in your life, and we're saying, this is what you're struggling with. you got to put it to death. Real Christians choose Jesus every time. Number two, 
because you've been going through this life and you've always been looking for that next thing, that next thing. God, if I can just have this much money or if I can have this car or if I can have this house, if that's how you live your life and every day you've been pursuing that and going after that, but yet you never find it, guys, I want to tell you about a Savior who can give it to you. And his name is Jesus. And the only thing you have to do is say, God, I surrender to you my whole life. Here it is. I lay it down. And guess what? God will have you. So this morning, as uh, the worship band comes up, I want to ask you just to stand with me and we're going to pray. Two things real quick. If you have never had this relationship with Jesus and you want it, won't you come and, and, and pray for it right here with us? Me, I'll be there. Jeremy will be there. The prayer team will be there. Won't you come and call on God and say, God, I believe in you, but I, I don't love you like Dallas loves you. I'd rather have you than anything else. I don't love you like the Bible says I should love you. I'd rather have you than anything else. If that's what you want this morning, just come pray. We'd be glad to pray for you, and God will have you. Or if you're struggling, and, you, and we've highlighted something this morning, I want you to know this altar is open. And this altar means that we're not a museum for the saints. We're a hospital for the sick here. And we come and we lay our sin down at this altar. So if that's you this morning, you're struggling with something, this altar is going to be open. Let's pray. God, I just pray this morning that you have, you've used the words of a foolish man to glorify your name, God. I pray that uh, your name would be honored. And I pray that as we leave this place, people would just do business with you right here, right now. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.